Welcome back to another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder, and in the house with me, I've got Coach Dwayne Carlisle. And now you may know that name from a few different areas, especially if you were at the Perform Better Summit in Long Beach in 2018, because that's where I saw him speak over... Uh, this was not the first time, by the way, that I've seen him speak. And every time I sit in the audience, I get something new because he's an amazing coach. He's, he's been the strength conditioning coach for the San Francisco 49ers, been at Purdue University. He's been all over. And, and actually, he's right in my backyard. I'm in Santa Cruz. He's over in Silicon Valley in San Jose doing a whole bunch of coaching over there. So, hey, Coach Dwayne, thanks for being on Zealous. Rocky, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's my honor. It really is. I mean, honestly... I really wish that COVID could allow us to go face-to-face -face from time to time because last year's the, the Perform Better Summits were fantastic in what they're doing. And of course, this year, I mean, that's part of having you on here is to just let people know that you're going to be presenting at this year's Meeting of the Minds with Perform Better. And they're doing something different this year. In case you haven't heard, they're going to have 64 presenters over the course of so many weeks, but each week there's going to be four presenters, experts in the field of, of fitness, rehab, sports, conditioning, and so on, and they're talking about one main topic each week, and for you, coach, it's the art of coaching, of course, so you've got, now you've got Martin Rooney, Todd Durkin, Molly Galbraith, and yourself that are going to be going, uh, I won't say head-to-head, -head, because it's not going to be like that, but you must be, uh, you're looking forward to that, that's, that's July 29th, if I'm right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's correct. So, do, you, do you have an idea of what you're going to be kind of bringing up? Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about how to get the most out of your clients, how to get the most out of the people that you're working with. I'm going to share some of the strategies. I'd like to think are proven and effective over the years. I've had the opportunity to work with so many different populations. I like to say from womb to tomb. I've worked with CEOs. I've worked with professional sports organizations like the NFL, like the league itself, which is what I'm currently doing and work with individuals with various professional sports teams, college, high school, and so forth. And I'll share a little couple little nuggets around, you know, coaching and, and getting the most out of your client. Yeah. Is there any specific like population or age group or, or sport that you really like attach yourself to when it comes to coaching or do you look at it in a different light wow rocky that's a great question let me let me answer the question like this throughout a given day i deal with multiple different types of populations ranging from a ceo of one of these silicon valley companies to a homemaker to Middle school athlete, high school athlete, college athlete, pro athlete, NFL officials who I train. I just love coaching and I love drawing the best out of everybody that I'm working with and helping them to reach their goals. And I think the, the common denominator there is with working with those populations is ultimately building a relationship with them so that you know what the starting point is and you can align yourself with their vision and their goals for you know, why they came to you in the first place. Earlier on, I, I would really attach to athletes. And then as my career has progressed, I've worked with so many different types of populations that, you know, like I said, it, it really comes down to, to coaching and coaching the athlete, and coaching the, the general pop person or whatever it might be. Now, for 
I just found this out. I mean, we both just found this out before we started this show is that we grew up only miles away from each other. Yeah. And, and yeah. we end up having businesses only miles away from each other. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You grew up in yeah. Haverhill, Mass. I grew up in Reading. Uh, we're only a couple years apart in, at the high school age there when, when uh, you graduated a couple of years before me, but you looked like 10 years younger than me. Don't know how you oh, do that, yeah. but we're going to work on that. Uh, definitely give me some, some hints on that for a coaching perspective for my own youth. But um, t- tell me, growing up, what were the sports that you really liked doing? Well, I started off in martial arts when I was younger, Taekwondo, and then that evolved into playing baseball, basketball, football, and track. And those were my four core activities. And, you know, growing up, we, we went to the YMCA every day. And that was our that was our thing. And so like the YMCA, they'd have a, a floor hockey league. So we'd play Saturday morning floor hockey league. We had a phenomenal, phenomenal YMCA director. His name was Fletcher Carter. And he also had a boxing program that we all boxed. And we just did a lot of different sports. And, and more importantly, a lot of it was self-organized. Where we just all got together in the neighborhood and said, hey, look, let's go play some, let's go play some football. Let's go, let's go. We'd organize our own baseball games. We'd play four on four baseball. So that was, that was, it was just such a great and enriching upbringing, and it kind of set the foundation for you know ultimately the the sport that I kind of honed in on as I matured later in my athletic career. So there's always these people that have great effects on the direction of our lives, whether they know it or not, and sometimes whether we know it or not, but there must be some standout individuals, whether it's Fletcher or some others. Who are some of the the people that have been the most influential to guide you on this course of of being the NFL officials strength conditioning um, director or or the the Niners? I mean, you've you've accomplished some great things in your life. And and so who are those players that kind of guided you along the way? Man, that's a great question. And I'll answer it like this. First and foremost, it was my dad. And my dad was my first coach. My dad coached me when I was 11 years old. And I was fortunate enough to advance to the national track and field championships at UCLA. And knowing we grew up in the same area, being a kid from Haverhill, and you go all the way to UCLA and compete in a meet, it's a big deal. That's and huge. My dad, yeah, my dad's the one who, who set me on that course. And like I said, he was my first coach, and my dad was the most influential person in my life, hands down. You know, he's passed away since, but man, those memories, great, great, great dynamic between my dad and, and me and my other siblings. And I got an opportunity to publicly honor two people who were incredibly influential in my life. And I've just mentioned one, Fletcher Carter, the YMCA had a, a legacy event for him back in 2016. And I was the keynote speaker. So Fletcher, the, the thing about Fletcher Carter was he was just so giving of his time and he wanted to see us succeed. And we couldn't afford to go to the YMCA. We, meaning me and my buddies who I grew up with, he would give us a working scholarship. And Fletcher's like, look, you guys come in here and you, you sweep and you take the trash out and so forth. Come on in here. 
and he just invested in us. And he was a, a figurehead in our community and a pillar in our community, not just for the, my immediate friends, but for everybody in Haverhill. Everyone, what, he had the legacy, of, when they had the legacy event for him, everybody in the community came. And he was, like I said, very instrumental in boxing. And who's the who's a boxing legend from Lowell? From, from Lowell. Uh, I was going to say, Mass. Rock, like, he was in a movie. Like, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey starts with a C. I, I, oh. I'm drawing a blank, but he came and he spoke at the event as well. And this guy is like a big time legend in boxing. Well, the other person who I got to honor, who's living, name is John Arnaviani, Coach O. He was the AD, football coach, and track coach at our high school. And this dude, five foot three, Italian dude, tough as nails, and challenged you to no end. It was never okay to be okay with Coach O. And I was fortunate to get elected into my athletic hall of fame at my high school. It was the first class and this is in 2017, and Coach Joe was part of that class. Now, my presentation, it wasn't about me. It was about you know, honoring my father, honoring the teachers, and honoring Coach Joe. One particular day, I missed track practice. And he, you know, he would gather the team together before practice, tell everybody what they were going to be doing and so forth. And I came to practice the day after I missed. And Coach O just went off. He just went off. Like, it wasn't about, like, the practice schedule. It was about Carlisle. You know what? You got a chance to do something really special. And you're going to screw it up. You have been given a measure of talent. And it's about maximizing that talent. If you don't do anything with it, you're going to end up like any names and some guys in our community who didn't go beyond high school. And that was a turning point for me because he called me out in front of everybody. And I remember like weeping, there was tears in my eyes. I was so mad that this guy called me out in front of my peers. But then afterwards, he brought me in his office and he said, look, he goes, I know what you respond to. You respond to that. He goes, Carl, you're gonna be all right. He said, I, I, my strategies are based on the individual and knowing them and what they will respond to and ultimately how I can take them to another level. And he did. He did. I didn't miss practice anymore. I amped up my effort. And so he's a guy that was just unbelievable. The last person I want to mention, and that there's so many, my, Mike Boyle, I, I can't not mention Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle was my first strength coach. Huh. I went to Boston University and then I went to University of Maryland. And so Mike, Mike is the one who got me into strength and conditioning. He huh. <laughs> is a huh. pretty cool story. My track coach, who was from Russia, brought me down stairs into the weight room, small little weight room, introduced me to Mike Boyle. Unbeknownst to me, it was Mike Boyle's first year at Boston University. I'm really kidding. And yeah, yeah, he brought me down there with Mike and he said, look, you know, you know this guy right here, we got to get him strong and we got to get him explosive. And Mike took me under his wing. And at the time, we didn't have structured workouts for teams. So Mike put me in a group with a guy, Billy Brooks, who ended up having a 10-year NFL career 
and this other guy, Calvin Hall, who played football at BU. And us three became these dynamic training partners, pushing each other. But Mike was instrumental in elevating my performance, not only not only my physical performance, but mental, just everything. And so I've had a long-standing relationship with Mike ever since I was 17 years old. And lastly, now you get into your career, deep in your career, and I was living in Philly. I had three performance centers at the time. I was a Philadelphia Eagles speed coach. We went to the Super Bowl that year, and I get this phone call. This guy with this long Southern draw, whose name was Coach Johnny Parker, who's a legend in the field, legendary strength coach. He was Bill Parcells' first strength coach and three Super Bowl rings, and he, he, he's just a legend, unbelievable. And he calls me and he goes, hey, Coach Carlisle, this is Johnny Parker. And I heard a lot about you. Would you be interested in coming out here to be my assistant strength and conditioning coach? And I was like, wow, this is Coach Parker calling me. And he had got my name from somebody. Coach had done all his research, flew out for the interview. Man, was amazing. But I turned the position down. You did? Because I had, yeah, I had a lot going on, man. I had a lot going. So I turned it down. And then he calls me back. He calls me back. He goes, Coach, tell me. Coaches from Mississippi, tell me what would make you turn down an opportunity like this? He said, coach, you got head strength and conditioning coach written all over you. And I would love to help help you get there. And I was just like, man, this is this Coach Parker, right? So we ended up taking the job. You did, all right. I took it. And let me tell you this, Rocky. This man, it was like getting a PhD in coaching. I thought I had no, I thought I knew a lot. And when I got in his presence every single day, every single day, I watched how he was able to get more out of the athletes that he worked with, the players. And then at the end of the day, every single, at the, every single session, we debriefed. And we would go through the list of players. He'd say, now, coach, tell me, how do you think Bryant Young's power clean looked today? Coach, tell me, what do you think of the effort of Frank Gore today? Did we get it out? And man, it was just amazing. So... Long story, four influential people, Fletcher Carter, Coach John Arriviani, Mike Boyle, and Coach Johnny Parker. Wow, that's quite a library of names right there. Fabulous. Okay, now, yeah. when, when it comes to coaching, yeah, it seems to me, and maybe it's just my own experience, that there, there are little bubbles of information that percolate up and you grab onto them and you put them in your vest and you put them in your pockets and you're like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to use it. But um, of course, there's books on the art of coaching and so on, but it seems like it's much more experiential learning. And with, with coaches by your side like that, I'm sure your, your coaching levels elevated. But what are, like in your words, what are the elements? Of course, you meet the person where they are right? And, and you want to, to give them the motivation, but how do you discern what's going to make this person rise compared to doing something different for this person in order for them to rise? How do you, how do you figure that out? Well, let me start by answering the question like this. As I mentioned, I've worked pro baseball, pro soccer, pro football, worked in a lot of different, different venues, right? And here's the thing that I know. You have to be confident in your ability to help elevate someone's performance first.
Because if you don't, you've been working with, so think about this. When someone's a professional athlete, and let's say they're a 10-year, a 10-year professional football player. They've had the college strength coaches they've worked with, who I'm sure in their in their uh, in their world were really good. Let's say they've been on three different teams. They've worked with three other strength and conditioning coaches, right? By the time they get to you, you know, they they they're a weathered veteran. They know the game. What? They're, they're asking the question, how's this guy going to make me better? How is she going to make me better? And if you don't have that confidence, your coaching swag, and when I say coaching swag, it's not an external thing like, you know, hey, hey, no. It's being able, them being able to feel and look in your eyes and say, you know what? I'm going to at least give this person a shot because they look like they could help me get from point A to point B. So that's number one. Number two. Coach Parker, and I wonder if Coach Parker made this statement up. And it's 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 gained a lot of momentum over the years. But Coach Parker used to say it to me all the time, Coach, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until you know how much until they know how much you care. So from that vantage point, you know, it's really about fact finding and asking them questions and getting to know them, you know, as a person, getting to know what makes them tick, getting to know their why, getting to know where they came from, getting to know where they want to go. Those are critical, critical elements that establish that bridge between you as the coach and them as the athlete. Because ultimately, you're starting, I'm on this side of the bridge, they're on that side of the bridge. We don't know one another. How can we link? How can we link and come together during this relationship that we're forging? The catalyst is asking questions. The catalyst is getting outside of yourself as a coach rather than spitting knowledge out and, oh, blah, 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 these terms and those terms. But think about it, Rocky. We're communicating with our athletes. What athlete knows what transverse abdominus is? What athlete knows, right? What athlete knows? Like, no, do they care? They're like, man, just, just, just train me. So, like, the communication that we have with our, we can, we can make ourselves sound all smart all day to them. At the end of the day, right? You build that trust and they need to know that it's gonna get them better and that it's actually getting them better. So when you when you figure those two things out, then you can begin to really take that athlete in the direction that you think that they need to go, giving them a lot of what they need and some of what they want. Like that, that shifts, right? At the beginning, it might be more of what they want, some of what they need, right? But then as you gain more influence, then that those skills tilt. And when those skills tilt, now the mastery from your vantage point can emerge and then you can begin to take them on that journey of mastery toward coaching, mastery towards improving their performance. Beautiful, I love it. Now, let's talk about like mistakes in terms of coaching what are what are some of the biggest oh well mistakes are good because it gains experience right there's nothing there's no such thing as good and bad when it comes to coaching as far as i'm concerned it's just like what makes you better right there's going to be times where i didn't coach as well as i, I could have and but i'm going to learn from that and i'm going to improve upon it but when the when there's young coaches out there just starting out 
what kind of advice would you say to things to avoid or mistakes that you you might make? I think, okay, I'll give you a story. My first coaching position, I was 22 years old, Penn State University. I was the sprint and jump coach. And I was fortunate to get that position. I was just barely older than a lot of the guys who I had competed against the, the year before. I ended up transferring to Maryland. Well, those guys, I had to earn their respect. They weren't going to just give it to me. They're like, man, we, we just competed against this guy last year. So one, you got to earn their respect. Just because you put your coach hat on doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to, they, they're going to bow to you, that this, it's a kowtow, right? You got to earn their respect. And a mistake that I made early on was I called out a guy who was a senior who just always just kept challenging me, kept challenging me, kept challenging me. And I ended up getting into a verbal alter, altercation with him and I kicked him off the team. Well, my head coach, Harry Groves, who's now deceased, legendary Olympic coach, he calls me in his office and he was like, how could you have done that better? And I was like, coach, you know, he called me up, right? I was still acting like a young dude. Like, I was from Havel, you know how we are. <laughs> coach, I go, coach, man, he called me up there. And he's like, look, he said, you're the coach. He said, first and foremost, you can't act like you're an athlete. You can't act the way you acted when you were an athlete. You have to set yourself apart and you have to be able to separate the issue from the person. And I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, separate the issue from the, what was the issue? Okay, the issue was he was calling me, I felt like he was calling me out. Why? Well, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so does that make this individual a bad athlete or a bad person? Or was the issue that you know, he wasn't getting the attention that he felt that he needed from you given that he was an upper class athlete and maybe he felt like he wasn't getting the respect so like when we talk about the coach athlete dynamic is understanding and teasing out like again issue from circumstances right in, in our mind we think like these circle we just look at the end product another mistake and i've made several another big one is being fully accountable, right? We as coaches, sometimes we, we don't want to admit we're wrong. And there have been times early in my career and even midway through my career where I felt like, oh, no, I, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. Rather than just coming, stepping up and say, hey, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. And, and that doesn't have to do with just the athlete, but if you're dealing with, I've been in university settings where you have multiple bosses, right? And so if you drop the ball, drop the ball. And people respect that. Drop, drop the ball, apologize, and keep it moving. You do that and you show that kind of vulnerability, I think people respond to you a lot better. I, I mean, I could go through mistake after mistake. I still make mistakes. Hopefully I'm learning from them at this point, but Ah, that's okay. that's a mistake thing. That's that's good. Now, 
the the zealous podcast here we we call it it's the show about the pros behind the pros and and meaning that yeah i've had a strength coach on for Cirque du Soleil we've had strength coaches on for of course NFL teams like the Niners like yourself and the Saints and whatnot and the Major League Baseball but never have I talked to a strength coach that is behind the officials so I want to talk a little bit about that you are in charge of the NFL officials strength conditioning is that correct correct and first, how did that come about? And, and I know that some of the listening audience going, oh, really? These guys? Yeah, they have to work out. There was a time maybe early on where you had the guys that weren't all that in good shape. But these days, the officials have to be in fantastic shape. So, uh, yeah, how, how does that come about? And you've got people spread across the country and, and they're traveling and there's a whole bunch of elements that you have to consider. So what is that like? How did you get in? What's it like? Well, the way I got into it is that the NFL conducted a national search. They contacted, I believe, a handful of people that they thought would fit the profile of elevating the NFL officials' overall fitness, health, and wellness. And I was one of those. I was at Purdue University at the time when I got contacted by them. And I got in the hat, went through the process, and landed the position. This is my eighth year working with the league and working with the NFL officials. It's it's phenomenal. We've been able to start from scratch. In essence, they, there wasn't a program that existed. So I support them with everything from their on-field, the, the preparation, the physical preparation for the game. We put sports science component into into the mix from the standpoint of like the officials are tracked using the zebra system just like the players are and i created the the portal for the various metrics that are important as it relates to identifying and capturing total distance covered over a game various zones that they're running in so from you know this walk this jog there is walk, jog, run, and sprint. Yeah, those four, four metrics. And I know how long they spend in each one of those zones. I know total distance covered in each one of those zones. We also have what we call high intensity running for deep officials. And oftentimes that can apply to my line of scrimmage officials as well. But that information allows me to put together conditioning plans that are specific for the energy system demands of the game. We also, you know, I, I, we also support them every week. I'm at an NFL venue at an NFL game and I make sure that nutrition's dialed in. I make sure that you know, I warm them up properly. I have the privilege of sitting in on their meetings, which has been phenomenal. That's been a great experience. So learning the game from a whole different perspective from their lens, and they're nothing short of amazing because they have to move. They got to move during the course of a game and be able to zero in and execute what they call their mechanics. Mechanics, not in terms of running mechanics, but their mechanics as far as like each, each NFL 
official has a specific task that they work together as a unit. And it's, it's a beautiful symphony in terms of how they, how they work together. And ultimately, forms a close-knit group. They're very, very, very close. And they're very fraternal. <clears throat> we now have our second female official who's gonna be starting this upcoming year. So the group is getting more diverse and it, it's it's nothing short of, of an amazing experience supporting them. Wow, you've described that so brilliantly and I haven't heard it put in any way whatsoever like that. And we've got 32 teams and I imagine at least five to six officials generally. So you're talking somewhere close to 150 to 200 officials. Is that about accurate? There's 123. 123. And these, these officials, I mean, although this is their career in the off season, do they have other careers? Absolutely. So they have, you know, some, some are retired, but some have other careers, but it's during the season. For them, it's a full-time commitment there. Yeah. It's extensive. And it's when extensive. does their preseason begin? Like, because we're, we're talking athletes. We're yeah. just talking official athletes. Yeah, May 15th. May 15th is when their season begins, and it runs all the way well, to that's when, that's when they're that's when the preparation phase begins. Wow. And then they'll start, they'll start camp when NFL teams report for camp they'll be visiting teams because a lot of NFL teams like to have officials to mimic, to mimic uh, the game itself. Huh. They'll bring officials in to officiate during the preseason. So they, it's also good for the officials. They'll do it for practice and they'll do it for obviously preseason games, but practice scrimmages. They're, they're often running from July when training camp starts on wow and, and you obviously you've been doing it now eight years any end in sight you're just going to keep on going with that you're enjoying it oh I, I love it i love it and let me tell you speaking of coaching right yeah that group is you can imagine when they're in an nfl stadium at times it's them versus the world if there's a call made that's perceived as a bad call, fans, fans react in a certain They're way. They're going to hear it. So again, it, there's that closeness. So for them to allow someone into their world outside of their network, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And time can be a wonderful thing if used properly. And I'd like to think that as we have gone from we progressed through the years, I've built better and better relationships with these officials where there's there's a trust level that I'm not going back exposing anything that they share with me other than between between us and helping them and supporting them in the way that they need. And so the coaching dynamic with them is very, very intimate in a sense. Because these guys are highly intelligent, highly. And we're talking really smart cats. Because when you look at having to process something, you know, there, there's a term, it's called the vestibular ocular reflex, B-O-R. And 
what that means is kind of it's it's how the eyes see things. Well, when you're moving, right, and particularly when the center of mass is moving, your eyes are going up and down. And these guys are able to you know, stay in a flex position, you know, head level, shoulders level, hips level, track the play, focus on their assignment, work together as a as a cohesive unit to be able to be in position to make the right call. So, That's great. So do you do VOR training with them? I don't. There's a VOR expert ah. who does it, who has educated. Walter Anderson is the vice president of officiating coaching development, uh, officiating development. So he's he organizes all that, but I'm privy to I'm privy to that because I coach and support their movement. Yeah. So I, I need to know those things. Yeah, that's that takes uh, some special, uh, special. Uh, how would I say it? Special conditioning, or it just comes naturally to people. But to be able to be moving through space and to lock on a target and to actually see what's yeah. going on, people yeah. don't really consider how much is involved with that. Wow. And, okay. So then kind of getting near the end i've got a couple more questions here one is you've told me some of the the best individuals and athletes and so on to coach who do you struggle with when it comes to coaching like is there a type of athlete or is there a sport or is there a type of individual where do you because we all have our own distinct personalities and sometimes we get rubbed the wrong way for maybe those that mimic our own personalities close or are completely opposite do you, do you get a sense that you have a population or, or a type of character? I would say, so the times where I get challenged is when somebody's not trying to give the effort that's worthy of what they're trying to accomplish. When there's that dynamic, man, you know what? I'm gonna challenge you big time. And I'm gonna figure out a way. I'm gonna figure out a way to do it. I'm gonna figure out a way to do it so that we we can we we can get what you need to get to get better. You know, our saying here with call out performances will make your best even better. And I live by that. So I think when any time when somebody's not the standard is a standard, right? Always the standard is a standard. So like if they are talking about here, we know what old saying, put your money where your mouth is. What you do speaks louder than what you say. So, hey, let, let's go, let's go. And when that when that persists, like the lack of effort or the lack of this, you know, at this point, I have choices. I, I'm blessed to be able to have choices to coach who, who I wanna coach. So like, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give everything I got. But if you know the drill, if they, they're not, they're not about the business, they're not really about getting better, man, I ain't for you. You, you gotta go and you gotta go and work with somebody else. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, you, you don't be afraid to, to fire your clients or your fire your athlete. Man, in a minute, deuces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling okay. you, Rocky. And then is, if you're watching like ESPN three, one Friday night at one o'clock in the morning or whatever, and this obscure sport comes on, you're like, oh, I would, I would really like to coach that kind of athlete. Is there an obscure sport 
in your mind where you're like, oh, let me have those guys. I'd like to train them. Whether it's axe throwers or curlers or anything. Mm. That's a great question. That's a great question. And I, nothing comes to mind <laughs> right now. I, real, right. Honestly, not, I don't watch that much TV. So nothing really comes to mind. Yeah, I can't imagine that, you sit down all that often. No, with, with my three, we got three boys that are athletes. And you know, we let them try everything when they were growing up. And I wouldn't say that there's anything that was obscure in our house. They, they kind of stuck to the meat and potato sports. I haven't really ventured out. You being the Santa Cruz guy, oh, I'm yeah, sure you're doing sure. all. Oh yeah, they're all. Yeah, I'm sure you're doing all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, everything and anything around here. But yeah. uh, so with three boys, how what's Coach Dad like? How is is Coach Dad different than Coach Carlisle? Yes. How so? Yes. So, that's been a process. That's been an evolution process. All right, so we, this four, my oldest, she didn't play any sports. And then you have Amir who played football at Notre Dame. And then he played in the, played professionally for a year. Nye won our basketball scholarship to San Jose State. And he went to Cal State. He transferred to Cal State East Bay. They had a coaching change. And then the youngest, who's a sophomore at Cal Berkeley, he's a track athlete, come out. So I'm just giving you a little yeah. intro to those guys, right? Man, the best, the best thing, my wife, as, as all wives are, she is, she's, she's my heartbeat. She's everything. And more importantly, she's the best coach in the house, period. She's got oh, a clinical really? psych. Oh, 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 man, rock. My wife is unbelievable. Seriously, she's unbelievable. She's like the best coach. My wife, I've got to brag for a second, super smart. Went to Princeton, graduated from Princeton, went to graduate school at Northwestern in clinical psychology. And beyond her academic prowess, she has a way of, she's a way of listening. She has a way of processing. She has a way of just interpreting what's going on. And so with me and the boys coaching, Man, with a mirror, man, I was harsh. I was hard. coming out the gate. I was hard, man. I was hard. I was Rocky. And so like he, you know, here, here you have this gifted kid and you know how gifted he is. And, and, you know, you're, you're in between your coach and pro athletes, you come home and you coach, you, you work with your son. And he, my son couldn't differentiate with like dad hat, coach hat, dad hat, coach hat. And my wife, quickly picked up on it and was like, you know, like say my son would have a game, right? I'm out there with the camera. And then after the game's over, hey, look at this on the film. You see this? You should have cut here. You should, and he's like 11 years old. Like, <laughs> you, you know how it is now when, you, when, when you've lived a little bit of life, you just think every game is like the Super Bowl or right? even you're sitting down like, look, you know, you gotta, you gotta squeeze this. And so like, man, I, I was I was that I was that dad, and my wife instituted this rule called the called the sixty minute rule. My wife said, "Look, sixty minutes. You can't talk to him after a game at all." I was like, "Babe, what do you, what do you mean?" I'm like sitting there like, "What do you?" She goes, 
60 minutes. And you know what that did for me? That took me from up here, because you know, you wanna, as a coach, a like game ends, right? You wanna just, and, and like, I, I, I can get animated and I can get overly excited. And like, I got a lot of energy when I talk. And my wife was like, 60 minutes. And so it went from me figuring out, okay, what am I gonna say to him? And it, it, it just ultimately diffused mm. my, my energy and my, my son. He would start coming to me, Rocky, and saying, hey, dad, I had to, what, what did you see? What did you see, dad? What did and man, that set the foundation for how I coached Nye. How I, cause I, I worked with them all on physical capacity. They all played three different sports and it was awesome. And even now it's more collaborative. It's more both of us on the same side of the fence, looking at the issue, partnering, looking at it, trying to attack the problem together. Maybe me lending some eyes, but instead of like me telling them, it's leading them to that discovery process. Me asking them, well, what did you see? What did the game teach you today? Right, those questions deflected that 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 hard like what do you want to call it? That just hard edge that yeah. I would have with them, and then it made it more collaborative and more productive because now they were looking at it just saying, "Hey, dad," and ultimately it allowed me to put that dad hat on. Now they could separate dad hat from coach hat and man it, it made for a better relationship with them that's great that's yeah i've, I've got a couple of kids of my own uh, daughter's off to university this fall but she was on the high school football team and i got to be down the sidelines kind of not one of the coaches necessarily but one of the kind of like the strength coaches and didn't tell her much, but she'd come up and ask. And there's nothing better. My son's a oh. competitive surfer. And after the heats, he's like, okay, what could have I have done better? And you know, there's, there's something so just yeah. so heartfelt, like when yeah. they come to you and ask for that, instead of you going to them and telling them, man, you, you know, you got some good kids on your hands when they do that to you. So coach, this, uh, I know we've got to go, but uh, I wish we didn't. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate your time and, and, then, and, and good luck with the upcoming Perform Better Meetings of the Mind, which is going to be- Me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be further down the road. I think they got me slated for November. So when everyone's getting tired of the meetings of the mind, that's when I'm going to step it up, I guess. That, that'll prove my footing, I guess. But you, you've you got it in prime time spot and uh, with some good people. So if anybody wants to check that out, performbetter.com is where to go. And coach, if we want to get more from you, what's your website? Website is coachcarlisle.com. Instagram is at Coach Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E, Carlisle at Coach Dwayne Carl. I typically am on Instagram, not typically, I'm on Instagram more than I am any other social media platform. Fantastic. I'll make sure we get all that information in the description below. So check that out for your listening audience. And uh, until next time, Coach, thanks. Thanks a lot. Right, thank you. Mm -hmm.
This concludes another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I want to thank Coach Carlisle for coming on. What a great conversation. Truly enjoyed it. Be sure to tune in next week when we get Chuck Wolf. He is like the three-dimensional strength and mobility guru out of Florida. And Chuck's going to join me next week to talk about what he's contributing to the Perform Better meetings of the mind as well. We'll see you then.